This is the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville, our weekly mix of special programs and homemade radio features. As Ramadan nears its final day of fasting, we'll take you to a mosque for dinner and prayers. Harpist Catherine Newman shares her passion for this ethereal instrument. The sound is like no other, and it's not about me. It's really about the instrument. The Huntsville-Madison County Public Library sets out on an expedition to the stars. You have this population that I think sees the rockets, but might not truly understand its importance and the importance of this area and how it played a role in what happened. We'll also talk about garden tours, cigar box guitars, and more as we preview upcoming bicentennial events. That's next on the Public Radio Hour. This is the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville, our weekly mix of special programs and homemade radio features. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Katie Ganaway, your host for tonight. Later in the program, we'll hear about the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library's Apollo 11 festivities and programs, plus Madison Public Library's recent NASA collaboration. We'll also hear from Sally Warden with the Huntsville-Madison County Bicentennial Committee about some amazing bicentennial events happening over the next couple of weeks. And Ramadan is coming to a close as our Muslim neighbors prepare for Laylat al-Qadr this Friday. We'll check out a special episode from the podcast Unmute the Commute. But first, Dory Nutt recently visited with retiring Huntsville Symphony Orchestra harpist Catherine Newman. Aside from being a top-notch musician, Newman is also a longtime music educator in our community. Here's Dory Nutt and Catherine Newman on the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville. Let's start at the, at the beginning here. How did you come to be a harpist? When did you fall in love with the harp? Well, some of you may be of the vintage to remember Leonard Bernstein's young persons or young people's concerts that were televised in black and white, three channels on the TV, get up and turn the dial. Yes. Foil on the antenna. Anyway, (laughs) I think I was in about the eighth grade and my mother hollers to come in there and there was a young girl that looked to be about my age at the time playing a harp concerto Uh with the symphony. And I did. I thought I'd got died and gone to heaven. That was it. That was what planted the seed. I wasn't able to start uh, for another, well, until I was about 18. Mm Pretty much in college. I had about nine months worth of lessons very sporadically my senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. But um, started out at Florida State, and their teacher had left. So they found this wonderful, world-class harpist teacher who had moved to Auburn, Alabama, of all places, (laughs) for love. And she had given up her illustrious career in New York with the Metropolitan Opera and the New York Philharmonic and um, I, once I met her, I would have followed her to Op. Anybody from Alabama knows where Op is. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, tell us her name and tell us a little Marjorie, about her. Marjorie yeah. Tyre uh, graduated from Curtis Institute back in the 30s, and she studied with uh, another amazing harpist, Carlos Salcedo, and he formed the harp department at Curtis. Oh, okay. And as a young girl, she had studied both with Marcel Grangeny, who in the harp world, everyone knows that he was 
a powerhouse, and uh, he and, and Salzado had different ideas about how to play the harp, the technique, and they're both valid. Both, uh-huh. both yeah. valid. Both are used by by harpists now. And uh, she studied with Carlos Salzado. Okay. And um, and then you studied with her. And then I so studied with her. Yes. Like a uh, grand harpist of Carlos Salzado. I guess I am. Yes. <laughs> I am a legacy, I suppose. Yes. Yes, you are. Well, I I know that you've had dozens, well, probably hundreds of harp students over the years yourself. You've taught for a long time, and and from the the times that I see you with your current students, or I see um, former students coming up to see you on stage after symphony concerts, or I see photos with you on Facebook with students, um, it seems like you've made lots of lasting connections with your students over the years as well. Well, they they are the joys of my life among many, but mm-hmm. certainly this aspect of teaching and and realizing that you actually have a ripple effect in their life. Their life goes on and they play. Or some of them decide, well, this is not exactly for me. They realize how difficult it actually is. Um, to make a, a living as a musician. Living, yeah, maybe, exactly, I mean, playing exactly. the harp is hard enough, but it, yes, to it, take off on that career path is well, another thing. Well, this is it. And, and some oh. of them have many other interests. I mean, I have my, my last harp student here in Huntsville, Anna Frederick, uh, just graduated from high school, and she is now going to go to UAB in bio from I can't even say the word bio okay. something or other it's, okay. it's one of the sciences right, right and she will not play for a while but mm-hmm. she just gave an amazing recital oh. and uh, you know so the fact that she will go on and play and I don't know about hundreds of students but certainly mm-hmm. over the course of the years when I lived in Georgia um, mm-hmm. it's been an amazing gift to me to see these young women mostly women but i've actually had two two or three guy students which mm-hmm. has been amazing cuz their brains are different <laughs> oh oh so it makes it, it makes teaching interesting to look for different ways to reach different well, it types does. of students yeah. i've learned as much about teaching by teaching uh-huh uh-huh as you know, you would learn from going through education courses in college. Right, right. Which, which you have done, but yes, all, all through well, your own experience of teaching. What's um, in your future? I don't know, except <laughs> that I do know that uh, grandchildren are a huge magnet. Mm-hmm. And so I will be moving to Texas, where my daughter, Anna, and her husband and two of my three grandchildren live and closer to their orbit <laughs> closer the orbit's a little closer to the grandchildren absolutely right? yeah. they live in spring texas and that's where i'm going uh in the end of july i'll be moving and i can't believe that i'm actually doing this i will miss my colleagues at UAH more than I can. Oh gosh, I'm going to get all choked up. But anyway, well, you've um, been such a big part of the department there, and some people might think, well, just the the harp teacher. How many students actually study harp? But besides your your dedicated students that are learning this as a craft, you had lots of kids there that just wanted to experience the harp with you. That kind of took lessons on the side as did. an elective. Yeah. They did. Yeah, I've had several that um, took. The harp is an elective, mm-hmm. and, and you taught music theory and music appreciation. I did. <laughs> you and so, I both taught yeah, theory. <laughs> you you touched a lot of students there, yeah, and, and all the faculty members. I, as I well. have loved being part of the family, and it really is a family at UAH. And uh, I credit David Ragsdale, chair of the music department, and Carolyn Sanders for for that. Um, 
very much so. And, you know, my colleagues at the symphony, mm-hmm. I will miss this so much. I don't know. I hope that I will continue to play and teach. That's my objective. I know when word gets out, <laughs> when when people hear that you are there with well, your heart, you'll still be doing the weddings. And, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. I told my students, the first time you take your harp out and play in church, somebody's going to come up and say, oh, you play the harp. Can you play in my daughter's wedding? Yes. And invariably, that has proven yeah. to be true. So that's what I intend to do is go play in a church someplace. <laughs> I, I know you have a lot of harp playing still in your future. I really yeah. do. I, I love it. I've always loved it from the first time I hear it, heard it, mm-hmm. and uh, I love to hear it still. The sound is like no other, and it's, you know, it's not about me. It's really about the instrument. It's mm-hmm. just an amazing instrument, as all are, but you know, for me, this was it. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned to me earlier that in, in announcing your retirement and making this move, you're taking to heart some advice that your friend, our oh. friend here at the station, the late Hunter Thomas, gave you but yes. right before he passed away, are you comfortable sharing that with us? Oh, sure. Well, it's good advice for just about anybody. Um, I was sitting with him. He loved my chicken soup. <laughs> <laughs> so he would call him and say, Catherine, uh, I'm about ready for another pot of chicken soup. Well, I was sitting there with him uh, going through my calendar frantically. And, he, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to plan out my whole life. This was back in August last year. And not knowing what I was going to do. And he said, well, just remember to have a life and do it on your terms. Mm -hmm. And that has stayed with me uh, since, since he told me that. Do it on your terms. And so my terms were to leave at a time in my life which seemed right. Well, it sure seems that you're leaving on a high note. We can't imagine life here in the orchestra without you. Oh, it's going to be such a void in my life, too. But Mm -hmm. it it felt like, for me, at this time, it was the right thing to do, the right time um, to make this decision. And, you know, while I'm still young enough to play tussle with my grandchildren. I still think that's cool. Pretty soon they won't think that's cool. And you'll um, be there for that. And, you know, uh, be be with my family. Uh, So... It's not goodbye. It's like Dale Evans used to sing, happy trails. (laughs) (laughs) I will be back to, you know, to visit. That was retired Huntsville Symphony Orchestra harpist and music educator Catherine Newman talking with Morning Blend host Dory Nutt. Newman brought her harp and played a couple of songs for our listeners. Check out our Facebook page to see a video of her playing What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. You can find us by searching WLRH. Here's some of that audio on the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville.
night of Ramadan is tomorrow night, called Laylat al-Qadr. It's also known as the Night of Power, commemorating the night the Quran was first revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. In honor of that, let's check out this special episode of the podcast Unmute the Commute from KBCS in Washington. That's here on 89.3 Huntsville on the Public Radio Hour. This is Hibba Fisher, and you're listening to Unmute the Commute, stories that move you. Ramadan started a few weeks ago, the month where Muslims around the world fast from food and drink from sunrise to sunset. Fauzia Lala, an entrepreneur and an observing Muslim, goes to Maps, a local mosque, to eat and pray with her community. She often carpools with friends to get there. This past Thursday, I tagged along for the ride. We started on the sidewalk of her home in Mercer Island, waiting to be picked up. It was already 8.30 p.m., and we were racing against the clock to reach Maps before sunset. So where are we going? To Maps in Redmond um, to break our fast for iftar. We're going with Danny, her friend Rukaya, and you, so it's a full car, five people. (laughs) Do you think we'll get there on time? We have exactly half an hour. Probably just going to make it, if at all. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. Hi. Hi. Well, we actually fast what we call at dawn, so it's a little before sunrise. It's about an hour before sunrise. Roughly around 3, 3.30 in the morning is when we start. We fast sunrise to sunset, roughly, and, and it's a lunar calendar, so Ramadan moves up 10 days every year, so it's going to get better, right? But in summer, because the sunrise to sunset that day is so long, 16, 18 hours, you hardly get that time at night to eat and drink, you know, because the nights are so short. We have all these night prayers, they're all back to back to back to back, and then it's time to eat before you start fasting again. So it's really hard to keep up with all of it, but it is very emotionally and spiritually rewarding for sure. So how's your hunger level and thirst level right now? I'm fine. You're fine? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah, because we fast long hours, definitely I feel pretty thirsty and my skin feels very dry, but this is what, day 12? I mean, we're almost halfway there. So your body, I think, tends to adjust after like four, four or five days, your body just tends to adjust to the routine. Let's go. <laughs> we were all late. And I think it's already time to break fast. Are you going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. sunset we have the adhan we break our fast with just dates and water then we go 
pray, and after prayer is when we get our feast. <laughs> so we're in line for the food. A lot of families just donate, so there's a different family that donates every day. Free iftar, or breaking of the fast food, every day of Ramadan. And this is not the only mosque. Other mosques here do that too. They usually serve about 100 to 200 people. They do provide food every night here. Yeah. That's the thing, it's, it's expensive. Weekends are busier. Weekends can go up to 300 people and it's super crowded. Ramadan to me is just spiritual cleansing. You are physically cleansing your body too by fasting. Yeah, on a spiritual level, like you are, it's a moment for you to be closer to God than you were before. And, you know, there's no point in like basically starving yourself if you aren't fasting in a spiritual sense, which is abstaining from slander, abstaining yeah, from gossiping. Fasting of the mind yeah, and the exactly. tongue and yeah. the body too. So while you're fasting, like, you know, couples don't engage in sexual relations yeah. and there's fasting of all kinds. This is rice and kebab, chicken and rice, and this is spaghetti. Chicken. Thank you. Thank I'll you. have salmon. Did you cook this food? Uh, no, from the restaurant. <laughs> oh, okay, so sometimes restaurants Iranian also. restaurant. Iranian. Wow. Yeah, wow. It looks really good. How old are you? Uh, um, five. You're five years old? And what are you serving? Vegetables. Vegetables? Um, where would you like to sit? Did they already... Oh, there they are. Okay. Almost every Ramadan, I make a new friend. And last Ramadan, I met Danny. And it's always a lot of interesting people that come at MAPS, right? And she has a very interesting story, too, where, you know, she's not Muslim, but then she'll still fast and pray with us. And, you know, but during prayers, you know, she'll recite her psalms. And Well, I'm not Muslim. <laughs> and I'm white. <laughs> I'm like your typical Midwesterner. I dated a guy for a while who's Muslim. And so that, like, blew my mind really big on, like, what religion is, what culture is, who God is, um, and then came to Seattle for the first time, like, came to a mosque regularly and was, like, actually a part of it. So what, is, what does Ramadan mean to you? So I really love Ramadan because of the intentionality of the month. I think, like, I come from, like, a non-denominational Christian background, and so we never had any, like, big like events or celebrations besides like Christmas and Easter so like one day <laughs> or maybe like a week out of the year. I think that the intentionality of Ramadan in that people take a whole month to like fast and to dedicate to community and dedicate to their prayers and dedicate to like being intimate with God and I think that that is really enticing and really beautiful and so I really like to participate um, both because I love the Muslim community and I feel like they're like family and also just because I love the encouragement to be intentional about your life and your relationship with God. Unmeet the Commute on 91.3 KBCS is supported in part by Just One Trip, a King County Metro campaign to get you out of your car, starting with Just One Trip. Information is online at justonetrip.org. And follow along our Unmute the Commute series on Twitter with the hashtag Unmute the Commute. This is the Public Radio Hour on 89.3 Huntsville. I'm your host tonight, Katie Ganaway. The Huntsville-Madison County Public Library has themed this year's summer reading program around Huntsville's crucial role in the 1969 Apollo 11 mission. Local librarians Mandy Pinion and Nora Barr 
tell us about the library's connections with NASA in planning this year's summer programs. I have been very fortunate to work with the Space and Rocket Center for several years. You can catch me at Science of Imagination with the always amazing Mr. Joseph Vick. We're holding our end of summer celebration with them at the Davidson Center this year. So that is a wonderful partnership and I'm very, very happy that we were able to do that. Now, during the summer, because we have our theme, a lot of the programs that you're going to find at the public libraries, um, all 12 throughout the system, are going to be doing free programming loosely attributed to that very theme. So it could be a story time theme about the moon, or we could be building rockets. I don't know if you're familiar with stomp rockets, but it's where you can even use a drinking straw that can make a, a little paper rocket and then make a propulsion object to send it right off into space. All ages um, are gonna be able to participate and do different free STEM-based programs and STEAM-based programs to include the arts into that. And all through the summer, we're gonna be doing different activities. And I read that the library got uh, some grants for Mm -hmm. STEM programming. So is that sort of being incorporated into these programs? Sure, I wrote an LSTA grant and um, that's Library Services and Technology grant and was very fortunate to receive it. I developed six different kits that are traveling throughout the county and they are going to every branch currently. So we have different themes from genetics to woodworking to 3D printing and they are going around. The branches are selecting dates on the calendar to host those kits to develop programs out of them. We have little coding mice that are appropriate for children as young as three and four. Uh, and then up the coding robots can go up to you know teens. We have a Cosmobot that has been a lot of fun to play with as well. Nora, I would like to ask you about Madison. Do you have anything unique to the Apollo 11 anniversary coming up happening there? Coming up, we're planning several sort of tribute events to get excited about the anniversary of the moon landing. Towards the end of the summer, we're going to be hosting escape rooms for teens and tweens that are going to be Apollo 11 themed. That's so, exciting. Yeah, the, um, the goal of the room is they have to help find the coordinates to land the Apollo 11 lunar module. So we're really excited about that. Um, that's a room that um, myself and a coworker are developing ourselves. So it's completely original. The puzzles will all be original. We're trying to get together a moon gazing event for okay. the date of the Apollo landing. where we're gonna try to look at the various features of the moon and enjoy them in the library's back lawn. Are you, and then, are you go- I'm sorry, are you going fine. to be working with the Van Brown Astronomical Society or? Um, I'm talking to the Astronomical Society, yes, okay. on that. And then we're trying to actually build an inflatable planetarium. Oh, my Um, goodness. Yeah, my whole job is build things, basically, for the (laughs) library. So that's something that we're really excited to give a try. So I want to know from both of you what you hope these teens and children and even the parents are going to take out of this, out of these programs, uh, STEM-based or not. The fun part of what I do for my job is to provide a really fun way to keep learning experiences available during the summer. Sometimes you hear about something called the summer slide. When children are not in school during the summer and they're not reading and learning, they can actually experience a loss in skills and not just reading abilities. This can extend over to math. And so the public library 
tries to fight this phenomenon. Part of my job is to make things fun to where you want to come in and see these programs and experience these programs and make really awesome things. But there are vegetables hidden in the meatloaf. So it's actually <laughs> That's good. a phrase you I've never heard before. <laughs> I'm stealing that. But I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're hiding things there. Uh, there, so there are still these really great learning opportunities to help combat that summer slide. So you, d- you might not realize it, but you're learning things as you do it. I also tell kids during the summer... If you see a book that looks awesome, pick it up, read it, explore it. Don't worry about a test. We want you to read for the fun of it. And really, we just need four to six books during the summer. We try to say 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. It could really make a big difference um, in, in these skills when they come back to school. And if they have fun doing it and they're reading books about dragons and rockets and race cars and anything else that they might be into, then it's a win-win all the way around. I think Mandy summed it up beautifully. There is a nugget of education, history, science, math, the arts, hidden in pretty much everything we do mm-hmm. to the point where the kids don't realize it because mm-hmm. they're having fun. They're enjoying it. They're learning and growing and building, and that's really our goal is to create a, a community of makers, of creators, of dreamers. And that's really appropriate for the Rocket City. I mean, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I wonder, are there going to be any scheduled speakers coming to the library to talk to these kids about the, the Apollo 11 moon landing? That is something, you know, we're still in some stages of scheduling. So mm-hmm. right now we don't have any particular information to give, but I always encourage parents when they're asking for information on programs to visit our website, mm-hmm. go to hmcpl.org, check out our calendar of events and they can find out anything and everything, even by age level, uh, of what's going on at the library. So definitely check out our website for our calendar of events. It would be amazing to meet somebody who's been to the moon, you know, or or who's (laughs) been anywhere in space, I guess. But the send-off celebration coming up in July at the end of the summer reading Mm -hmm. program, like you said, that's going to be held in the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. So I want to hear what all the library has planned for that day. So usually with our end of summer celebrations, it is basically to tell kids, hey, you did it. Mm-hmm. You read all summer long, and we are here to party. And we typically make them very family friendly. Um, I, I joke around and say it's a controlled three ring circus. Uh, we have, well, we're basically going to set up sort of space stations, if you will, mm-hmm. because we're going to be in the Davidson Center and it's such a large facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to set up uh, interactive activity stations. And they are also providing docents to go around and engage with the guests and provide information. So we'll have music, we'll have activities under the amazing rocket that they have at the Davidson Center. Why is it important to have this theme, to celebrate the the moon landing anniversary with these kids? Why is it important to introduce this to them, especially this year? Well, we are very entrenched in the culture here in Huntsville. And despite that, I will say, I was one of those kids that even though I grew up here, I never had the opportunity to attend space camp. You have this population that I think sees the rockets, is dimly aware of, okay, they're here, but might not truly understand its importance and the importance of Huntsville, of this area and how it played a role in what happened. And so providing these programs and making them free and open to the public is crucial to help build that bridge of knowledge 
between history and the present day and the fact that we are still exploring space and we have missions that are currently in the works is still very exciting and and that we're still taking part in those and even on a library scale, Nora has a great story about that. So recently the library helped NASA out on an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, Another we, bridge built. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back in January, we helped NASA. They were in a little bit of a pickle with the government shutdown. Mm-hmm. They couldn't access a piece of equipment that they needed to build a part for an experiment. So we ended up helping them build this part in our library makerspace. And it is currently on the International Space Station as part of a material science experiment. It'll stay up there for several months before returning to Earth. Mm. We're really excited (laughs) to be able to say we built something that's currently in space. The library helped NASA put an experiment into space. Right. And that seems, you know, the library is a constant in our community here, Mm -hmm. but we're in a totally new era of information and knowledge and sharing and making. And Nora is a perfect example of that. I mean, they built something that went into space mm-hmm. at the public library so, where you can also go and, that, and make something. And that makes Madison Public Library um, a very integral part to not just Madison City, but the whole entire state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the country, you know, sending something to the ISS. That's an amazing feat. Mm -hmm. So I want to know if there's any other sort of project that you have in the line to work with NASA or any other sort of aerospace company. NASA did come back and say that, so we're listed as an official subcontractor. Which is amazing. um, Which is really cool. I was super excited to see that, hear that. They were very pleased with the work we did for them to the point where the when the gentleman who normally does that for them came back from furlough, he was like, we'll just have the library do that every time because when I have to do it, it's a pain. Right. Um, <laughs> so we may be tapped in the future to make more parts for them um, in that respect, but we don't have any current plans for more. This year, we're celebrating Alabama's Bicentennial, and here on the Public Radio Hour, we've been talking about Bicentennial events each month with Sally Warden, Executive Director of the Huntsville-Madison County Bicentennial Committee. There are lots of ways for you to get out and celebrate over the next couple of weeks. Here's Sally reviewing the fun times ahead for June with host Brett Tannehill. Before we jump into this amazing list of events that you've brought us, Let's look back a little bit and remember things that have happened. Uh, there's been a stamp dedicated. Uh, that was pretty cool. What's some other things that have happened? That we had really all the legislators out? here. Back, way back in February, we right. had all the legislators here to give them a tour and a brag on Huntsville-Madison County a bit. We also had a genealogy conference, a DNA genealogy conference right. in conjunction with Hudson Alpha back in February. Uh, at Panoply this year, there was Panoply Bicentennial Village where all of the uh, art interactive had something to do with back in 1819, um, and that was a lot of fun as well. Whistle Stop, of course, had a full-blown Alabama theme to it with musicians and other activities going on. So it's been a good, good year so far. And you mentioned Panoply. Thank goodness they had a wonderful weather this year, and we should have great weather this coming weekend for a whole slate of events happening. Uh, you want to dig into this a little I bit? I tell you what, if you all don't have anything to do the weekend of June the first and second, I can fill up your social calendar. No excuses to be bored. Uh, kicking off this Saturday, June first, 
uh, Alabama's bicentennial summer at Constitution Hall Park. And as we were talking before the mics turned on, uh, Constitution Village has a brand new scene, a brand new guest experience. Uh, the fences have been taken down, uh, more of a wide open area. Tell us what's going on this Saturday. Well, what is happening this Saturday is the grand opening of the Alabama's Bicentennial Series at Constitution Hall Park. On Saturday from 10 to 5, there are going to be free tours, demonstrations, and giveaways all throughout the day. And the park grounds are going to be filled with games, music, and hands-on activities for the whole family to enjoy. Also, a fun historical story about June the 1st, 1819 was President James Monroe unexpectedly rode into town 200 years ago to that day. So I love that story. It is a great story that I have been telling literally for two years. (laughs) And as soon as we realized that June the 1st was on a Saturday, the planning began. And so there are a lot of things going on. As, As a matter of fact, we have talked some of the dignitaries of the area to ride in on horseback, portraying President James Monroe as well as his – he had a manservant with him and a soldier who rode totally unknowingly to the citizens of Huntsville into downtown Huntsville on June the 1st, 1819. That reenactment is going to take place at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at Constitution Hall Park. And that's this uh, Saturday. Uh, So beginning this Tuesday, June 4th, also at Constitution Hall, uh, there's a really neat guest speaker series kicking off uh, beginning on June 4th with Julian Butler of the Bicentennial Committee. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the guest speaker series. Yes, and this is a guest speaker series that is going to be rain or shine because it's going to be held in the air-conditioned Constitution Hall. Uh, So uh, we have a whole series, eight weeks worth of speakers talking about a wide range of historical interest topics. This is not just about history. We will have the history of uh, beer, the history of the SS Alabama, uh, all sorts of a wide, wide range of uh, historical topics that I think everyone will find interesting. This is free to the public and will be from 630 to 730 every Tuesday night this summer at Constitution Hall. Also, on Thursday night, uh, during the Alabama Bicentennial Series at Constitution Hall Park, are going to be free music nights. You know, Green Street Market takes place on Thursday nights downtown. And in order to create even more excitement and more things to do, the folks at Constitution Hall Park decided to have music nights on Thursday nights from 6 to 8 in the new park. Um, plenty of room to throw down your blanket, bring in your stroller. There are lots of benches there as well, or your lawn chairs. And there will be local music playing from 6 to 8 every Thursday night this summer as well. And as our listeners well know, uh, we're huge supporters of the local music scene here, and we cannot wait to see the lineup for Music in the Park. That is kicking off Thursday night, June 6th, and running through August 1st, uh, Thursday nights from 6 to 8 there at Constitution Hall Park. As a matter of fact, the the new park has almost a mini amphitheater feel. Oh, cool. The bands will be playing, the musicians will be playing actually in the new arbor, and it's sort of gradual hill goes up uh, that you'll be able to sit down and watch the musicians. And staying at Constitution Hall Park, just one more event uh, for family-free nights kicking off next 
Saturday, June 8th, and running through August 3rd. Uh, family free nights at Constitution Hall Park from 4 to 7, uh, beginning next Saturday, June 8th. Tell us a little bit about that, Sally. That's right. You'll have an opportunity to bring your whole family to explore Constitution Hall Park for free from 4 to 7 on Saturday nights. And you can learn about life in Huntsville 200 years ago. You can play games, see demonstrations, and tour the historic buildings that showcase the community around Alabama's first constitutional convention 200 years ago. So you can find that comprehensive events list for all the wonderful bicentennial things happening. Uh, that's at huntsville.org. And you can also check out the WLRH community calendar at wlrh.org and then click on community. All right, Sally, let's keep going here. Also happening uh, this Saturday from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. is the 15th annual Cigar Box Guitar Festival uh, at the Barking Dog Arts Theater there at Low Mill. Uh, We did a big special on the Cigar Box Guitar Festival uh, on our local music show last Saturday, Valley Sounds. Uh, Microwave Dave brought in three guitar boxes here to the studio, and Nate Emery did some amazing recordings of him, so you can check those out on the Valley Sounds podcast from last week. But uh, Sally, tell us a little bit more about the Guitar Box Festival. Well, we are excited that the 15th Annual Cigar Box Festival next Saturday, June 1st, is a bicentennial event. Did you know that this is the oldest running Cigar Box Guitar Festival in the world. I did know that, as a matter of fact. That is very exciting. kind of cool. We thought that was very worthy to be a bicentennial event for something great that's been happening in Alabama the past 200 years. But you'll be able to enjoy live music and makers all celebrating the Cigar Box folk culture. From 10 to 4, there are going to be free demonstrations, build your own cigar box guitar, and hands-on workshops. Then later in the afternoon, 4.30, the doors are going to open at the Barking Dog Arts Theater for a live music jam for an admission of $10 featuring legendary cigar box guitar musicians. Always a hit there at Low Mill, so we can't wait uh, for the Cigar Box Guitar Festival. That's this Saturday. Uh, Something happening this Sunday for a plant nerd like myself. Uh, This is really cool, and I really hope that I can get out to see this. The Hidden Gardens of Old Town in the Old Town Historic District. District. That's this Sunday from 1 to 5 p.m. That's right. You know, this is a Hidden Gardens tour that Old Town Historic District usually puts on every other year. Well, because it was the bicentennial year, they've actually not had this tour for three years and have made it an extra special edition. So from 1 to 5 um, on Sunday, June the 2nd, you will be able to tour 15 of the Hidden Gardens in the Old Town Historic District. In addition to the gardens being open, several of Old Town's historic homes are going to have their stories presented street time. So as you stroll from garden to garden, you can stop in between and hear the stories about some of the historic homes in the Old Town Historic District. The ticket station for this is going to be located on Walker Avenue. So you head to Walker Avenue Sunday afternoon and you'll be able to climb aboard the trolley, which will take you then to the tour's starting point. And it will be uh, warm weather. Thankfully, there'll be ice cream and shaved ice uh, and other things. Also, a vintage car show. That is right. All along the route to, to stop in between the hidden hidden garden tours and see all these other activities. Just in case the weather doesn't cooperate on Sunday, the rain date for this will be the following Sunday, June 9th. 
So we're always keeping an eye on what happens at the downtown public library. We love the library folks. And beginning Monday and running through July 27th, a really cool exhibit, uh, To the Moon, Snoopy Soars with NASA. That is right. I love this event because it is the best of everything and a great partnership between the downtown public library and the Greater Huntsville Humane Society, which happens to be celebrating its 50th anniversary this year as well. This is a -a one-of-a-kind exhibit called Snoopy Soars with NASA. This is going to, the exhibit will open on June the 3rd at the Downtown Public Library and run through the end of July. It's a -a one-of-a-kind creation by the Charles Schultz Museum and Research Center. And you know, Charles Schultz was the one that created the great Snoopy comics. It's sponsored by the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library and the Greater Huntsville Humane Society. Opening ceremonies for the Alabama State Games uh, coming up on June 7th. Uh, For those of you who follow our PSA program, you've heard us talking about that a good bit. That's on June 7th at 7 p.m. at the Von Braun Center Probst Arena. That's right. Once again, the Alabama State Games are coming to Huntsville. And following in true Olympic fashion, this ceremony will include the traditions as the opening parade of athletes, the running of the Olympic torch, and the lighting of the Olympic flame. The opening ceremony is going to include a special presentation due to the bicentennial honoring the history of our state. Again, that's June the 7th at 7 p.m., VBC Probst Arena, and it is free. That, uh, that really should be a lot of fun. If, if, folks, if you've never been to uh, check that out, uh, all sorts of neat games. Uh, I, I've, I follow it on, on email and various other places, and they have something called the foot golf competition, being a golfer. It's a combination of soccer and golf, if you can imagine uh, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. there's all sorts of neat things uh, happening with the Alabama State Games, so we hope that you get out and enjoy that. Always something neat happening at the Huntsville Botanical Garden, including their next exhibit coming up. And of course, it's Bicentennial Flair. That's right. This is something I've been talking about for several years now. The Alabama Humanities Foundation created the official Alabama exhibit called Making Alabama. It's a traveling exhibit that has gone to all 67 counties in Alabama, or will have gone. Most of the counties are only getting it for three or four weeks. We actually are going to have it for two months here in Huntsville at the Guest Center at the Huntsville Botanical Garden. Did you happen to see the Chinese Lantern Festival at the Yes, as a matter of fact, we were very excited to be right on the tail end of this. The lanterns have come down and history is going up now. And the opening reception of the Making Alabama Traveling Exhibit at the Guest Center at the Huntsville Botanical Gardens is going to be June 8th. From 10 to noon, there will be the big opening reception with free um, refreshments, and they will have uh, other exhibits and other um, reenactors will be there as well, dressed in costume. Also, it's going to be the grand opening of the Garden State Symbol Painted Mural, as well as the Alabama Photography Art Display. This is a totally free exhibit at the Botanical Garden. So another neat thing happening in the first part of June is Huntsville's Juneteenth celebration. So this dates back. It's not a national holiday, uh, but it dates back to June 19, 1865, the date enslaved people in Texas discovered they were free. And so coming up June 15th, Huntsville will have its own Juneteenth celebration starting at Big Spring Park East. 
This will be an experience for an, of an old-fashioned camp meeting as well as the baptism reenactment at Big Spring Park East. This is hosted by the African American Bicentennial Subcommittee. Did you know that St. Bartley's Primitive Baptist Church was the first African-American church in Alabama, and they had all of their baptisms down in Big Spring Park. Uh, At this time, we can't actually get people in the water for a baptism, but there will be a reenactment there as well as a processional uh, starting at St. John's and as well as the historical marker for St. Bartley's over on Williams. There'll be processionals that lead you down there to enjoy gospel choirs and have a sample church picnic dinner on the grounds. And residents are invited to march in those two processionals. Uh, They begin uh, simultaneously at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's on June 15th and they merge at Big Spring Park. Uh, Once again, if you're uh, hearing these events as we sort of fly through them here, lots of things happening, you can find more information about all the bicentennial events happening in our community at huntsville.org and also on the uh, WLRH community calendar. So uh, we're still talking Juneteenth here, and this sounds and looks really amazing. The Juneteenth Festival of Voices happens June 16th from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Huntsville Historic Depot. Many people don't know that there was a historic corridor of African-American businesses back on Church Street back in the day. This was where all of the black community went for socializing and shopping, and it was right there on present-day Clinton, where Clinton is, kind of near WHNT-TV from Holmes to Clinton in that area on Church Street. And this is another one is... um, Celebrating those things, actors in period clothing, life-size pictures will share historical stories of this African-American business district. Food trucks will even be offering the cuisine from the restaurants that operated there during this time. An additional activity that will be taking place on June the 16th is the unveiling of a historical marker honoring and commemorating this Church Street business district. It'll take place at 2 o'clock right before the Festival of the Voices on Church Street near WHNT. And both of these events are free once again uh, at 3 p.m. on June 16th. Uh, the Church Street Festival of Voices will happen at the Huntsville Depot, highlighting uh, Huntsville's black history. Actors representing close to 60 local notables, such as Dr. William Hooper Council and Anna Knight, will share their stories. Uh, you can find more information about the Juneteenth event online at completingthestory-al200.org. Sitting here with Sally Warden, Executive Director of the Huntsville-Madison County Bicentennial Committee. Sally, we have covered a lot of ground, and we're only halfway through June, but we have one more thing that you feel uh, we should uh, throw on the pile here. Actually, I have two, Brett. I'm going to try to sneak in here. But one is, you know, starting in July, there are going to be so many activities going on out at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing. But I didn't want to let it slip by that there are many free activities already going on celebrating that Apollo era. One of them is every Thursday afternoon in June from 2.30 to 4 at the heat of the day, you can go to the Discovery Theater at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center for free presentations and panel discussions on historic topics from the Apollo era. Things like SLS, The Next Giant Leap, Engineers of the Apollo Era, Center Directors of Marshall Space Flight Center, and the Lunar Roving Vehicle. 
So if your Thursday afternoon looks hot and sweaty in June, you should head to the U.S. Space and Rocket Center from 2.30 to 4.30 at the Discovery Theater to hear these historic presentations. Okay, Sally Warden, one final thing to talk about here, and this is something that you brought us uh, here at WLRH, and we'll be having a contest to give this away on the WLRH Facebook page. But apparently some artists have teamed up here in Huntsville and come up with three amazing coloring books. So tell us about Color Me Huntsville. That's right. Historic Huntsville Foundation has several bicentennial projects, and this project, Color Me Huntsville, happened to launch in May, and it slipped by us in between our tapings, and I just couldn't help but want to bring it up because this is one that will be going on for a long, long time. Historic Huntsville Foundation contacted three of our local artists who agreed to donate their work to create a set of coloring books. Each artist created their own coloring book. These are coloring books geared toward children or adults, and they are all of the... Hist- I like coloring. It's They're beautiful. Once you open that pack, well, you're not going to get to open that package. You're going to give it away. But once you see how detailed they are, it they are beautiful, beautiful drawings, pen and ink drawings of historical sites all throughout Madison County. There are three different books by each different artist. You can tell their different styles. And then on the page opposite is the entire history of that historical site. And these coloring books are available at Harrison Brothers Hardware downtown and some select other spots around Huntsville and proceeds uh, benefits. The Historic Huntsville Foundation. I know the books are for sale at Harris Brothers Hardware. They're also at the Convention and Visitors Bureau and probably at all the other gift shops around town. Sally Warden, Executive Director of the Huntsville-Madison County Bicentennial Committee. Thanks for stopping by again. Wow, a lot of stuff happening. Phew, a lot in the next two couple of weeks. I'm telling you, we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you. Thanks to local librarians Mandy Pinion and Nora Barr, 91.3 KBCS-FM Community Radio in Washington, now former HSO harpist Catherine Newman, and Executive Director of the Huntsville-Madison County Bicentennial Committee, Sally Warden, for being part of our show tonight. Find podcast archives of the Public Radio Hour on our website, wlrh.org, under the Programs tab. We hope you'll tune in next week and every Thursday night at 7. That's right here on member-supported 89.3 Huntsville. Signing off, I'm Katie Ganaway. Thanks for listening.